0: Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. What a great blessing it is to be able to join together as two churches uh, and to worship the birth and celebrate the birth of our Saviour. The reading I'm going to read from now is from the New Testament and it's from the book of Matthew. Uh, The Bible, I just think, is an incredible book on so many levels. One of the things that always amazes me is, well, it's like a colouring-in book. The Old Testament is like the outline and the New Testament is like the colour. And the two things, when they go hand in hand, just bring such light and beauty. So with the Bible reading that we just had from Isaiah in mind, hear from God's Word in the New Testament. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I wonder what's the best gift you've ever received? It's a good question to ask at Christmas because as Pete said at the start, it's when so many gifts are given and received. Uh, I've been given a few really special gifts over the years. One of the most memorable was when my dad surprised me by giving me an air rifle. Uh, He wasn't really one for giving gifts normally, and so this came as an extra special surprise. To be given something so valuable, something particularly as a young teenage boy so desirable, and something quite frankly so dangerous was really hard to take in. It was just so thoughtful and special. But without doubt, the best gift I ever received was this. It was a gift given to me by my dear wife after I graduated from Bible college. And it's a personalised embosser. (laughs) I use it on the front page of a book every time I buy one, which is more often than I probably should. And the impression you get once you clamp down on the inside um, page, is it leaves this really beautiful watermark, in this, in this instance, from the library of Mark Powell. Although there was one minister, and I wish I'd have sort of had this um, idea uh, beforehand, and that it was stolen from the library of Mark Powell. <laughs> I've lost more books over the years than I've actually gained. Once again, this gift from my wife was a complete surprise, and not only was it really thoughtful, but it was pretty expensive. Especially when at the time, we just graduated from Bible college, we didn't have much money, and we weren't really earning a proper wage. And it's something that, to this day, I continue to really, really treasure. Now, I know something like this is not everybody's ideal gift. You're probably sitting there thinking, I would've taken the air rifle. (laughs) You might not be all that into books, or, Something like a personalized embosser just doesn't really, let's be honest, hold that much personal appeal. But that's just the point. The best gift is specific to the individual that you're giving the gift to. They're personalized. And in the same kind of way, the Lord Jesus was given three very distinct personalized gifts. That's often misrepresented by the three wise men. But as we saw from our Old Testament reading, there were definitely more than just three individuals, but basically a whole caravan of them. Isaiah 60 talks or prophesies about the nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. That herds of camels will cover your land. The reason why we think that there was only three wise men is because that really fits better with the nativity play. Each person gets a gift to give to Jesus. There was three gifts, three wise men. Otherwise, the sage gets too cluttered. But a more accurate picture is what happened to King Solomon, where all the kings and queens and rulers of the earth gathered together to pay him honour and respect As they acknowledged his wisdom. How much greater is Jesus though than even King Solomon. For Jesus is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is God in the flesh. The one who we saw repeatedly in Matthew's Gospel was the one to be worshipped. The one whom Isaiah famously describes as being called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What gift can you possibly give to someone like that? Because he is obviously deserving of everything that the world has to offer, because he himself has made it. Well, the wise men, or magi as they are sometimes called, come bearing three distinct gifts. I want to consider with you briefly this morning why those three gifts were given and why they are completely appropriate. Uh, If we weren't so familiar with the Christmas story, I think we'd realise just how strange and significant those three gifts are. because I'm pretty sure that no mother uh, present here this morning has ever received any gift like this when any of your children were born, no matter how special they were. If I can say this respectfully, it would have been the weirdest baby shower in the history of the world. Unless, of course, they point to something greater. Something profoundly true and real as to both who Jesus is and what he has come to do. You see, the first gift Jesus is given is that of gold. Now, that's a pretty terrific gift to receive, no matter what occasion. I don't think any mother, any father for that matter, would complain if under the Christmas tree this morning was gold. I've been to a few weddings recently, and even though the bridal registries can be quite long and extensive, no one has really had the audacity to put down their bullions of gold. (laughs) People give money, but never gold, because it's just, to be frank, too valuable and precious. It's a gift which is really only fit for a king. But that's precisely the point, isn't it? Jesus is a king in the truest sense of the word. He is the one who was destined to rule upon God's throne and to be ruler over all of God's creation. And not just for a time, but for eternity. Once again, this is precisely what was prophesied in the book of Isaiah. Let me just read to you just a couple of verses again. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land. Young camels of Midian and afar. And all from Sheba will come bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the lord and that's precisely what took place why is jesus being presented with gold at his birth because the king of all the nation or should i say this the kings of all the nations recognize that this baby is no ordinary child This one is destined to rule over all the nations of the earth. This is a royal baby who is destined to be a universal king. This is someone who is to be worshipped. For his birth was literally signified in heaven. Is uh, The Magi, the kings of the earth, are guided by a star and they're brought to the town where he's born. They saw his star in the east and they follow it all the way to the land of Israel. It's incredible to reflect on this but there is not a single nation on the earth today. Wherever you go, every nation has people that worship this king. 2,000 years later, Jesus' reign covers all the earth. Everybody is worshiping Jesus as God's anointed king. What the Magi offered to Jesus then was entirely appropriate. His reign is of cosmic, indeed, even eternal significance. And the offering of the gift of gold acknowledges and even, I think, substantiates that truth. The second gift, though, is a little stranger. And this is where things, quite frankly, get weird. And that's the gift of incense or frankincense. Now, in some ways, as I just said, this is weird because what use could a baby, or a mother, for that matter, have with something which is so impractical. It's kind of pointless. Clothes, you could understand. Some kind of furniture, like, I don't know, some first-century cot or something, that'd be also really good. But incense? Sure, it was, once again, expensive. But, well, frankincense was, Something that you really only used in the temple. In particular, what the high priest used when he was making intercession before Almighty God. But once again, you have to think about what Jesus has come to do. Because if you realise that Jesus is the great high priest, then this is entirely appropriate. Jesus has come to be the one and only final mediator between us and God he is the great and final high priest now the book of the hebrews if you're familiar with it in the new testament has an awful lot to say in this regard it always uh, declares that jesus has perfectly fulfilled everything that the old testament pointed to the sacrificial system the priesthood Because Jesus, now in heaven, lives to constantly intercede to God on our behalf. Every other priest that has ever lived, that has ever served in God's temple, has had to stand and has had had to offer sacrifices over and over and over again. But when Jesus offered his sacrifice, he... What he had to offer was so perfect, it was so complete, there's only one word for it, it was so sufficient that he sat down. As Jesus himself said at the cross, it is finished. All of which brings us to the third and final gift, which is the most surprising and can I say shocking of all and that is the gift of myrrh. The reason why this is so surprising, and even shocking, is because myrrh was what you used to prepare a body for burial after someone had died. Now, could you imagine, I'm not suggesting you do this, but just imagine if the next baby shower you went to You presented the mother with a coffin. That would be the equivalent of giving a newborn baby myrrh. It's just so completely gross and inappropriate as to be, quite frankly, the most offensive thing you could ever give. Here you go, you're gonna really need this one day. All your hopes and all your dreams for this little precious baby well they're going to come to nothing because you yourself are going to see your precious baby die oh the absolute horror of even uttering such a thought but once again isn't this precisely what Jesus has come to do this little baby was born to die And not just any kind of death, you know, such as a a sickness or an accident, as tragic and as heartbreaking as that is. Jesus was born to be crucified on a cross, to be executed, to take upon himself the punishment for the sins which we deserved. The book of Isaiah which you've heard a lot of this morning, contains, I think, one of the most precious theological truths of this in all of scripture. In Isaiah 53, he talks about Christ, God's anointed king, as a suffering servant, of being led like a lamb to the slaughter, of being cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of God's people. And this is precisely what Jesus has come to do. Jesus has come to fulfill those very words. At the end of John chapter 19, we're told that Nicodemus, yep, the same guy that had come to Jesus at night, and Jesus said that he had to be born again if he wanted to see the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus came to Jesus' tomb and he came bringing a 65 pound mixture of aloes and myrrh. It was an absolutely massive amount, so much so that people doubt where he could have gotten all of that from. Such was the amount that it was normally used at royal funerals when a king or queen died But as we've already seen, Jesus is the greatest king that has ever lived and therefore was utterly deserving of such an honour. He's also the great and final high priest who makes atonement for our sin, who constantly lives to intercede for us. But the really amazing thing is that the sacrifice which he offers for our forgiveness is his own flesh and blood because Jesus is God's appointed saviour. I began this morning by asking you, what's the best gift you've ever received? And hopefully already this morning you would have received some precious, great gifts. And the answer to that question on a human level is I know it's different depending on who you are. But you know what's the greatest gift you could ever receive? It's the free gift of eternal life. As Jesus himself so famously says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's without doubt the greatest gift of all. And it's freely given to everyone who believes. Have you received that gift? If you haven't, then why not come to Jesus today and believe and receive? If you haven't done that, then Christmas, this Christmas could be the best gift you ever receive. In just a moment, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. It's such a wonderful illustration, not only of our fellowship with God, but of also our fellowship with one another. What a blessing to be able to come together today as two different churches and yet we're all one in Christ we see a beautiful demonstration of that as the musicians lead us uh, in praise the reason we can do that is because the gift of salvation we have already received in God in Jesus is ours all because of what Jesus has done for us the one who is the king of all the kings The one who is the great high priest who lives in heaven even now and constantly intercedes for us. The one who laid down his life as the perfect and final sacrifice for our sins. What an awesome gift we've been given. Well, In response, let's stand and sing, shall we? Let's sing our praises to God for his indescribable gift.